We haven't talked a lot about um, the tickling ears churches, but I think we need to address that as well because it's one of the issues that you and I both see a lot of is um, church has been the church has been hijacked by um, <laughs> by people who want to use it for therapy for personal therapy. You say therapy, I say personal gain. <laughs> <laughs> personal to be gain. clear, both Dave and I have uh, master's degrees in counseling, so we have no problem with either therapy or gaining from <laughs> giving therapy. Um, but there's, when I talk about therapy, um, let me define that real quick. Um, the problem that, that, that scripture points to with humanity is a sin problem. The problem that therapy points to is a problem of adjustment. There's no amount of adjustment that's going to correct your sin problem. And that's where therapy can't do what church needs to do, what church is there to do. And, and it's not, I'm saying church, church is a stand in here really for the preaching of God's word. If, if you're going to ask me, Jer, what's the most important part of any church service? I'm going to be really, really bold and clear. The preaching of God's word. And I'm going to go ahead and say, it doesn't matter who your pastor is, unless your pastor is Jesus himself. When the scripture itself is read aloud to you, that is the most important part of any church service. Because right then is when God, through the Holy Spirit and through the work of Christ, is speaking himself to the entire church. You can't get any clearer communication from God about who he is, what he's calling you to do, and what he's doing in and through you, in, in your local church and in your world. That is the most important thing. And again, we're assuming that your pastor loves Jesus. Yes, we are. Which, <laughs> let's go ahead and chuckle about that, but uh, you and I both know enough pastors who either self-admittedly or in retrospect say, yeah, no, I, I chose pastor because it's what I needed to do. It was the family business or I could make a lot of money or yeah. I no longer really think it's legit. There's, um, there's a lot of room there to, to get this wrong. Um, but that's on the, that's on the church leadership side on the new believer side is this sense that what I really need is for someone to come along and pat me on the back and tell me that where I'm, where I've got scrapes and boo-boos, I'll be okay. And there's not really anything I need to do because I'm, I'm great just the way I am. Yeah. So again, for gain, that's, uh, just being honest, everyone's, Talk about coming, everyone's coming with the same model of God has chosen me and called me for my good and as opposed to for his good or to mm. do his will. Um, and that it is, it is true that God loves you and has called you. And yes, you are much better um, because uh, he created you to be in relationship with him than those he did not. We'll have to do another podcast on that one. <laughs> um, but that is not an excuse or an allowance for um, the assumption or the view that your life is meant to be a place for hoarding his blessings mm -hmm. um, or a place where only good things occur by your definition of good and not mm -hmm. his mm -hmm. or 
a place where um, I should always leave feeling better. Um, uh, when touching that one real quick, if you're leaving church feeling better every week, you're not hearing Jesus. Uh, I would. You shouldn't. You shouldn't be leaving church every week feeling horrible. But if you're not being challenged, if you're not doing some, if you're not seeing after hearing the word of God preached over you in your hearing, if you're not looking at your life and saying, man, this, I'm not, I'm seeing some areas where there needs to be change in me and this change is uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. You're not really hearing. There's, I mean, there should be growth occurring in your life and it's, it's not as easily seen because it's spiritual. But there should be some way to um, allow for God to examine your heart, to yeah. show you these things. Whether you pray that before the message begins, or you're praying that as you know part of the service, the goal is to let go of um, the old nature. He's given you a new one, but it really is right. to let go of the old one, um, which is interesting because we often embrace it more than a new one. <laughs> but to let go of it and to bear fruit. Um, not, you know, bear more money for self or bear better shoes or bear a bigger house. Um, it's bear fruit that he has defined, which is, um, spiritual growth, patience, mm -hmm. love, mm -hmm. um, embracing the joy of being more long suffering, which yep. means suffering long, again, not a fun thing, uh, with others. Isn't, isn't long-suffering just a nice phrase that means I can say I have a blessed life? Um, I think that's just in the DMV. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't have, I don't think that's God's definition. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a trap, yeah. honestly. It's a trick. Yeah. It's, it's not what you're called to. You're called to... Um, you're called to do the impossible with an infinite God. You're mm. called to do the, the things people can't imagine, uh, but not because, um, you know, you went to such, such a church and they gave a blessing that Sunday, but because mm -hmm. your, your identity is in Christ and this is for this season, your purpose. And he knew before you were born, before you even came to him, that this is what you would do as long as you're willing to obey. Right. Um, and so that pruning process that happens on Sundays is one that should leave us, that should cause us to leave that area with a sense of, okay, you know what? I got in my head. I was doing it on myself. I need to obey. Whatever the focus is, Right. I, I need to obey. I need to let go of my feelings toward this issue because God knows better than I do. And I can't fully understand it. I must obey. Right. I need to stop focusing on my getting and focus on others because that is what Christ did for me. That is part of obedience. Now, I will ask you, switching subjects, how do you think the church failed during the pandemic? Um, that's a great question. How do I think the church failed during the pandemic? Mm-hmm. Let me start by listing off some of the things I think the church did well in their response. Oh, okay. um, sort of back into it. Mm -hmm. um, 
Uh, the church modified the way that it was um, helping people to connect. I think I think in a way that that was uh, legitimate and that was intentional and helpful. Um, we recognize that the um, the opportunity for relationship was being extremely curtailed. The opportunity for support was being altered, and the church. On a whole, I would say respond to that by providing avenues that were beneficial to uh, encourage people to maintain connections. Um, two points of failure that I saw through this, and I'm not looking at any single church in, in particular, but uh, failure number one, the... Churches saw their primary need as being getting their message out, not as being shepherding the individuals within the body. Wow. Okay. Um, I, I think that on the whole, the churches have become very, even pre-pandemic, churches became very Sunday morning focused, very Sunday, very service centric in that way. Um, everything was about getting people into the parking lot, into the sanctuary, in front of the stage, and having the best possible experience that we could have on that Sunday morning so that they can hear the word and they can leave encouraged, refreshed, uh, ready to go out and, and conquer the world for God, and whatever that meant starting Monday morning, or mm -hmm. you know, hopefully they didn't forget. We continued in that vein, and, and that demonstrates a shift away from an intentional focus on formation through discipleship to a a focus on broadcasting mm. and there's there's a place for broadcasting yeah. and there's a, a benefit to broadcasting but what the church is fundamentally here to do is to be in the work of forming believers into more mature believers who are growing there's there's two points of growth that i see when i look at christianity there's a growth of numbers as the gospel is reaching out and changing lives and people are being saved and two there's a change in holiness as the individual believer is being changed more to the image of god mm -hmm. i agree those two things happen through discipleship primarily as you've said and you've talked about this a lot today through the living together, praying together, being accountable together, encouraging together, pointing out through Scripture together, saying, here's what Scripture says. Does it, is this reflected in my life? And if not, what do I need to do to put myself back on the operating table so that God can work on me and make me as an individual more holy and make us and our relationship more holy and make us more useful to Him so that we're not just growing in our holiness and can chick, you know, check that box off but we are also spreading the gospel so that more people are coming into the fold and god starts changing them so that they become more holy i think the church has on uh and i'll speak to the church in america i think the church in america has done a poor job of keeping that central and i think through the pandemic that continued i think we continued making the main focus getting people so that they can get to a place where they can hear whatever it is we have to say not putting ourselves in a place where we can walk through life with these individuals and 
make sure that those cracks have been cemented over so that we're not losing people along the way, but we're actually taking the, the opportunity here where we have less opportunity, we have less ability to be together, to reach out and to spend more time intentionally digging into each other's lives. Not to be busybodies, but the same way a gardener does, to turn over that soil, to let it get aerated, to pull out weeds, to help the true fruit blossom. Um, the second focus is, and the second failure, I would say, is a lot of churches, from what I could see, and I might be wrong about this, I'm not claiming I have a great vantage point to judge us, but I think a lot of churches really did focus on making sure financially their bottom line didn't get too affected. Um, and sure, there were a lot of churches, yours and mine, were both in this group where we had the ability to do a lot to serve the communities around us um, who were impacted financially and physically and emotionally through the pandemic to, to serve those and to meet many of those needs, which is fantastic. Um, at the same time, however, we're looking at what the church is called to be as an organization, what the church mm -hmm. should be as an organization. Uh, I, I guess I have a problem with churches that view their budgets as being something that needs to be protected. Yeah, God needs to be protected. Yeah, uh, God, God is the one who's at work here. God's on mission, and God's called us to participate in his mission. He hasn't said, here's what the mission is, go accomplish it. He said, stick with me, stay right on my tail as I accomplish my mission. And if he's called us to this, he will provide what we need. And if that means we spend our last cent and there's no money coming in, we don't turn to our people and say, hey, just let you know, you know, God's called you to be givers. We turn to God and say, God, what are you doing? And how are you going to provide for this thing you've told us to do? Speak to us, because because we need to hear from you. I think I think that among among everything else is probably one of the biggest failures of the church that I've seen mm. as a whole. Um, churches, because they are broadcasters, mm. specifically Sunday morning centric churches, mm -hmm. create a world of church, an expectation, a culture of church that says the people need to be hearing from the church instead of saying we as a church need to be hearing from God wow. and then leading into that place, demonstrating what it looks like to go and wait on and listen for God to speak. Um, anyone who's been in a position of authority knows that there is a very heavy weight that comes with that. Uh, I, when I'm an authority, when I'm in leadership, I should know what we're doing. I should have an answer. Um, but there's a there's a flip side to that where I have to say, I may be the pastor here. I may be the husband in this family, but I don't have the answers. I lean on God. And I lean really close to him because I don't have the answers. He hasn't called me to have the answers. He hasn't called me to know the plan. He's told me to be faithful with what he's given me. And if he hasn't given me all the pieces so I know the plan, my job isn't to go into a back room and come up with a plan and say, oh, here's how we're going to do it. My job is to go into a secret closet 
or call my kids around me and kneel down and say, guys, here's where we are. I don't know what to do, but I know the God who called us is faithful. I know he's able to do more than I could ever imagine or think. So right now we're going to stop and we're going to look to him and we're going to ask him to talk to us, to show us, to lead us and to provide for us because he's what we need. Not more money, not more programs, not more relationships, not more opportunity. We need him. Amen. Amen. I, I, I was the reason why I asked this question is I was talking to my aunt about this the other day. Uh, it was her birthday. Yeah. And um, I said the same thing that you said as far as the, the focus um, was not a um, God-centric focus. It was definitely a government focus. And I'm not talking about, you know, the rules. Right. I'm talking about, you know, even how we serve. It was, okay, we're waiting to see what others are doing versus looking to God. Um, and I, yep. I thought that was a huge distraction. I know that <clears throat> I thought one of the biggest things because we were distracted is that we missed um, moments that were there for the church to step into without media telling us. Um, right. uh, and I, I know as people, we are very much in the moment focused that's what us sheep do um but as eternal beings uh that are family with christ yeah we can lift our heads and see things differently I, I think the things that were going on down at the border was one of those things where we just missed it like i, I thought that was a failure just as i think that you know how we look at um all the you know, shootings that are taking place and everyone claims mental illness. If, if that is the issue, then as a body of believers, we should be going to God about this. Um, right. You know, just as um, <clears throat> we look for leadership from others, no, don't look for leadership from others. Go to his word, go to him. Take that time, be still, and hear from the spirit. It's, it's hard, as you stated, because everyone wants to answer now. Um, but I think it's a pride thing versus a um, a humility thing. Or a, a, you say a pride, I'm going to say fear. I, I agree. Uh, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of room for pride. There's a lot of room for. I think there's a lot of history of pride. I think there's also fear. Um, what if God doesn't show up? Is kind of that question that we never want to say out loud. What if I look foolish until God shows up? What if people lose faith in me? But that's. Who does when you look at scripture, you see people who look foolish all the time. I look in the mirror, I see it. <laughs> no, I'm just saying, when you look at scripture, it's yeah. filled with people who look foolish. Like and and God blessed. It was the ones who waited for everything to be perfect that had a problem. When the children of Israel went, you know, across the wilderness following a pillar of fire and a cloud, getting manna. They get to a place and they see these big folks and say, yeah, I don't think we can do this. Yeah. Instead of focusing on God, they're looking at their circumstances. And so now they all have to go die in the wilderness. The next generation comes and they realize, okay, um, it was foolish in that case to trust their eyes versus trusting our God. And it makes more sense to look crazy and go up against Goliath versus saying, you know what? Oh, let's take a long walk in the wilderness again and see what happens. We were fine out there. 
No, yeah. that the foolishness of David is what we need. Where, no, my God's big enough. You know, right. that that is what we need. You know, the foolishness of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Okay, we're going to heat it up seven times hotter. I threw three people in there. Where'd the fourth one come from? Yeah. You know, the, they were willing to say, it doesn't matter if God shows up or not, he's still the one true God. Like, it's go he's the one who yes. gets the glory out of it when we look like fools for him because he's the only one who could have done it. Like yeah. he literally is the only one who could have done it. And that, that is, um, you know, what the church should be about. What church, what we are called to be about is not to do things unto self, do them unto him. And if he isn't stretching us and pulling us and challenging us with dreams and visions and ideas and thoughts that are so much bigger than ourselves, we're always doing things that are bite-sized, then we're in the wrong place. He's called us to live by faith, mm -hmm. not by sight. There's a lot of things that we can look at and see and try to navigate by it. This, this, was a, this was a realization I came to on Wednesday as I was running in the rain. The day that both you and I got soaked running in the rain. <laughs> beautiful, <laughs> beautiful Maryland day. <laughs> so I was running and I realized I had to stop my run because I couldn't see to run any longer. Not because the rain was coming down so hard, but because the way the light was hitting all of my landmarks, the reflections and the shadows of all of the landmarks that I used to navigate where I run were thrown off. Mm -hmm. And it was making it really, really difficult for me to stay on the path. Um, none of the objects moved, none of the dangers, none of the pitfalls. But I had like this, my, what I was seeing was different because the light had been um, really, really messed with. And I could either trust that what I was seeing was real, but if I did, I was going to end up hurting myself and running off the path. Because what I knew based on what was going on was what I'm seeing does not line up with reality. What I'm seeing is that fire hydrant that I know is right there looks like it's 15 feet further. But I know that's not true. And if I don't, if I misjudge this, then I'm going to run into a fence that's 15 feet closer. God's called us to, to, to walk by faith, not by what we see. And, and there's a, there's a, there's a common, there's something I like to say, and I'll share it here. I don't think the opposite of, um, of love is hate. I think the opposite of love is fear, which is, again, why I think this goes back to a fear issue. And the lack of fear in the presence of love is a faith in that love. God has loved us more fully than, than we could ever understand. He's always provided for us everything that we need. The, the very breath that's coming out of our lungs, the beating of our heart that he set in place, he holds in the palm of his hand. He continues to go in by the power of his word. He's provided for us his son to take the penalty for our sins. He's given to us 
all of the glory and all of the riches that his son rightly owns. And he's called us his, his own children. If he's done that, that's a demonstration of tremendous love. If he has loved us that way, we need not fear whatever comes about. And we need not hold back from what he's called us to do in response to what we see around us because of what might happen to us, what we may lose, what may be said about us. We can trust him in those moments. Hey, I know you're doing something in me. I know you're doing something in the world. I may not know exactly what that's going to look like today, but I know you've called me to be more holy today. I know you've called me to proclaim your word to non-believers today. And I know that you've called me to carry your grace to the world around me. So help me be faithful to that today. Amen. I think that's it for today. Later on, we'll bicker over about the opposite of love. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you have a blessed day. <laughs>